Good evening and welcome to this edition of the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. This is the program where we talk about the news of the week, the events of our often bizarre lives, and where we provide you with the three-hour oasis of rationality in the desert of insanity, which is the American cultural and political landscape. In other words, we fill three hours of your life without the normal BS you'll hear on all those other crappy radio talk shows. And if you don't believe us, Leah Brandon, you can trust Talkers Magazine because they voted us uh, recently one of the top, barely, one of the top 100 radio talk shows in all of the United States of America. Good evening to you, Leah Brandon. Good evening. How you doing? I'm okay. I know which news story this week had the greatest impact on your life uh, based oh, yes. upon your history as a, a, a music a and, DJ. Yeah, you know, it's so funny. <laughs> I actually almost, I literally choked on myself to say DJ because to some people, DJ is a pejorative term, a yes. negative. Do you consider DJ to be a negative term? Uh, it is now. But back not, then it wasn't. Back, back, back in the then day. It was fun. Back yeah. in the day, back when you started your radio career many, many moons ago. Yep. Although not that long ago. Uh, you not were a long a, time ago. <laughs> you were a music DJ, and uh, of course, I'm referring to the death of Prince. Yeah. Uh, at the age of uh, 57 of apparent uh, drug overdose. So I've been curious all week. Uh, I've seen some of your Facebook posts indicating that yeah. you were deeply impacted by this. But w- what are your thoughts on the on the death of the music, music legend Prince? Well, you know, I, I'm not going to say that I was deeply impacted, but I was definitely impacted by it. Uh, most celebrities, when they die, I just take note and move on. But this one kind of hit home because I was a huge Prince fan back in the day. Um, yeah, I did play all of his music on the radio, and I also was doing full-time aerobics. I'm telling you, five, six, seven days a week I was there. And, of course, what did we play to work out to? It was all about Prince. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the other thing about Prince that I really liked, well, there's two things. Number one, um, he never got caught up in, uh, you know, things that you would assume that he would get caught up in. Mm-hmm. You know, he never blamed anything on racism. Uh, he, you know, he was very much a capitalist. He had strong convictions about his music. He felt like people should earn stuff instead of just uh, the redistribution of wealth. He was not into it. Yet he was really active locally. Um, you know, he was just a, he was a, he was just a, a good spirit and had a good soul. Um, that's number one. And number two, you look at the impact that he had around the world. Like I honestly believe he could be the last guy who is going to have this kind of impact, you know, across different demographics, different countries, uh, you know, from the music world in his passing. I actually agree with you on that, Leah. Um, I'm not sure it's for the same reason. Uh, I believe that we're not going to see another Prince, and it's mostly because of the changing nature of the music industry. Sure. Uh, one of the things that made Prince, you know, it's funny that we, we referenced, you know, back in the day when you were a DJ. At that point, radio was still not entirely, but it was at least in part broadcasting. Oh, yeah. Now it's narrow casting. Mm-hmm. Everyone's trying to find that little sliver of a demographic so that they can survive till tomorrow because the business models are all broken and the media is so incredibly fragmented, which has had enormous impact in every walk of life, politics, news, culture, movies, music, whatever. 
Uh, I actually wrote a book that was largely about that, which predicted a lot of this, which everyone ignored. But that's another story for another day. But here's the thing with Prince. Nobody, at least it's highly unlikely, is going to have Prince's power at an early enough stage in their career to maintain their artistic integrity. You see what I'm saying? In other words, what made Prince Prince was that he just didn't seem to give a damn about buy, about selling out. I mean, I'm sure he sold out to a certain degree. Everyone does. But in comparison to what we see today, I mean, they're all just marketing. It's all it is. It's just marketing. I mean, whatever, you're basically selling soap when you're selling music these days. And by the time you become, in order to become famous, you have to sell out and be marketed. Well, Prince had the balls and the confidence <laughs> And the ability, because of his talent, to be able to not sell out at an early enough stage in his career when today he would get smushed. He wouldn't have, he wouldn't have enough celebrity to be able to maintain himself and to be able to fight against the record companies and what have you uh, because of the changing nature of the business. You can't become uh, – it's almost impossible. I mean, other than Taylor Swift and Beyonce and, right. and maybe a couple other people on a good day, there are no household names in music anymore. Because of yeah. this fragmentation and this narrow casting that I'm talking about. I guess the other thing that I think is interesting about Prince, other than the fact that it, what, what better testament to a guy's life than when he not only took over ownership of a word like Prince, <laughs> but he took ownership of a color. I mean, I mean that, <laughs> that's amazing. I mean, when you, when you take ownership, I mean, Tiger Woods took ownership of the word tiger, which is pretty amazing. When you right. take ownership of the word prince and the color purple, that's a good <laughs> life right there. Um, also, it is. He also had a mystique that I don't think we're going to see ever again. It's partially Well, he didn't. He didn't care about being a superstar. He yeah. honestly did not care about that. Well, and that, and that leads me to my next point. He, the idea that he was living in Minnesota till the mm-hmm. day he died, I just find flat out hilarious. Because I love it. Minnesota is like the most unprince-like place in the country. <laughs> I mean, there might be a couple other states less prince-like in his mystique than Minnesota, but it, it's it's in the top five or six, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. And yet he lived there until he died, and apparently, as you mentioned, was a big part of the community. Even going, my favorite story I heard in the last couple of days since his death. Going door to door as a Jehovah's Witness. Correct. Can you imagine opening your door in Minnesota? <laughs> there he is. And Prince is there as a Jehovah. You're like, oh, those damn Jehovah Witness. Wait, it's Prince. Oh my gosh. Come on in. Um, but and obviously the the um, there's mystery even surrounding his death. Uh, there's indications that not only was it a drug overdose, but a headline on the Drudge Report uh, tonight that he hadn't slept in many days in his last yeah. final days. Uh, kind of a weird last dance party slash concert, if you will, that right. he tweeted out. Um, and you know, it appears as if, you know, basically it was painkillers on top of painkillers, prescribed painkillers uh, on top of illegal painkillers. Uh, which may, by the way, have had something to do, you know, in, in, in its origins with the Jehovah's Witness thing, because apparently he, he didn't want to have the operation to his hip, um, and which might have been part of his, his pain issues. I think we're seeing a lot of this, by the way, with regard to what happens when people get addicted to painkillers. They're not only addictive in themselves, but there's a reason why the body is telling you you're in pain. There's, yeah. so, there's something wrong. And when that gets immunized, for lack of a better term, 
then you know your body is in trouble because it's trying to send you a signal that you're not getting. And right. who knows what actually caused Prince's death, but it's a shame. I mean, he definitely you know went too young. Uh, 57 isn't super young, but he still had music left in him. And boy, oh boy, <laughs> apparently there's no, but no will. I mean, how do you have thousands of unreleased tracks and no will? Yeah, that's uh, not good. We'll, I mean, we'll it, see. It's gonna be a mess. He's, he has a sister, I guess. Um, he does. But I, I presume that she would be the first person you would think uh, would inherit. But again, apparently no will, at least as far as anybody knows. Um, but uh, Prince obviously will be missed. You know, it's a shame. It's a shame that, that we, the celebrities that we're losing. You know, we, yeah, we, the good ones. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple. There's a couple presidential candidates I could think of that maybe it would be really cool if they could just suddenly die of natural causes in the next few months. Um, I think you probably know who I'm talking about. But you know, oh, they, yeah. they happen to be about 69 years old, and uh, you know, I, I, I actually checked about what are the chances of a 69 year old just dying of natural causes in the next year? It's about two percent, a little higher for men than mm. for women, if you know who I'm talking about. Um, so basically, there's about a one in 200 chance that the GOP frontrunner dies before. The the convention we can only hope um i, I mean that only partially i didn't know that the the death of prince would lead into hope hopefully someone else dying just a thought because that's how desperate we are at this point Leah. all right when we come back we'll talk about why we're so desperate on the john and leah show if you ever have trouble sleeping do yourself a favor folks and listen up it might just change your life i know it had a big impact on mine i'm talking about using my pillow you may have seen my pillow's owner mike lindell on their tv commercials well my pillow is fit just for you the kind of sleeper you are on your back or your side or how big or small you are i love my pillow and my wife and daughter use theirs as well obviously a good night's sleep is a life changer and now's your chance to take advantage of this special offer. Buy one MyPillow and we'll give you one for your partner for free. Don't waste another night on bad sleep. Life's too short. Call 800-871-1827. That's 800-871-1827. Use the promo code JL for the John and Leah Show for your free pillow and start sleeping better right away. Call 800-871-1827 or go to MyPillow.com and be sure to use that promo code JL for two life-changing pillows made in America with a 10-year warranty, all for the price of one. That's MyPillow.com. This is the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Our website, where there's a couple new things, as there usually are, each and every week on the John and Leah Show. Our website is www.freespeechbroadcasting.com. You can check out, among other things, each and every one of the 22 different radio stations across this formerly great nation of ours, which carry us on a weekly basis. And uh, each week, we do take a look at the Race for the White House 2016 and this week, of course, was the New York State primary, and mm -hmm. the frontrunners both won. Give us the details, Leah Brandon. Well, yes, it went exactly as expected. Uh, Trump won a little over 60% of the vote. He got 89 delegates. John Kasich came in second with 25%. He got four delegates. And then coming in a distant third, Ted Cruz, 14.5%, zero delegates. So the delegate count so far for the Republicans, 845 for Trump, 559 for Senator Ted Cruz, and Kasich now has 148. 
course, that magic number, 1237. Now, on the Dem side, Hillary Clinton getting more than a million votes and 58 percent. So she takes the majority of the delegates there. Bernie Sanders, only 42 percent. Hillary's count is 139 delegates. Bernie Sanders gets 109. So Hillary is definitely in the lead, 1941 compared to Bernie's 1191 and needed to win 2383. All right. So as we've been saying all along and we've said rather definitively last week, Hillary Clinton will be the Democratic presidential nominee. I have never bought into this Bernie Sanders thing uh, that that was ever going to be allowed to happen. There were too many backstops. Uh, on the Democratic side, the, the liberal media would have kneecapped Bernie if they needed to. Obama would have kneecapped him. He was never going to be the nominee because he's not trustworthy in a general election. Not that Hillary's Hillary's a horrible candidate, but at least she's you, not trustworthy. Period. Well, but at least you know what you're going to get with her. I mean, it, it, she's the far, yes. far, far safer. Uh, general election candidate, especially when it looks like the other side is going to decide to basically give up and put in Donald Trump as the nominee and make it a, a layup or a slam dunk for Hillary. So unless she misses the slam dunk, which is theoretically possible, because I, you know, I saw I, the only hope I have other than catastrophe, you know, economic collapse or massive terrorist attack for Trump to beat Hillary is that Hillary's strategy is so bad that it actually lets Trump in the game. And there was an article out uh, a couple days ago which illustrates that that's quite possible because she has said apparently that the strategy against Trump is to go after him as a bully who says inappropriate things. And I'm like, are you really that dumb? Are they really that dumb? So you're going in a world which over 50 percent of the people hate political correctness. You're going to go after Donald Trump as being a bully who is politically incorrect and says things that people don't like. Anybody who hates Donald Trump already is already factored into that. You're not going to give you're not going to convince anybody new because, oh, Donald Trump's a bully who says things that are politically incorrect and inappropriate? Uh, really? I had no idea. No, yeah, exactly. I didn't know that. I hadn't heard. Um, <laughs> that's absurd. I mean, if you really want to go after Donald Trump, you go after his strengths. You go after the myth of him as this business wizard, uh, the man who tells the truth. You go after him on, on his lack of honesty and the mythology of his background. That's his how you constantly beat, changing positions. Right. That's how you beat Donald Trump. But if they're dumb enough to not understand that well maybe we'll have more of a race than than i'm expecting or most experts are expecting now as far as the republican side uh trump's victory was even bigger than i expected uh bigger than almost anybody i heard uh, expected and i think it was pretty significant this has been a very very good week for donald trump we are um fastly very fastly uh, reaching the point where he is the Republican nominee, despite what some of the never Trump people will try to tell you. I'll explain why I believe that when we come back on the John and Leah show on the free speech broadcasting network, our website, www.freespeechbroadcasting.com. Welcome back. 
My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Together we make up the John and Leah Show, where, yes, we are holding out for a hero or some sort of a miracle to save us from this general election insanity and logical disaster that would be a Hillary versus Donald Trump general election campaign. Uh, Donald Trump had a very, very good week, at least on the Republican side. He won the New York primary in a huge way, as he might say. Huge. Uh, Interestingly, Leah, what I found rather comical and somewhat uh, emblematic of his entire campaign, the only major jurisdiction that Donald Trump lost in his home state of New York Mm -hmm. was Manhattan. Well, isn't there a little bit of controversy surrounding that? I had not heard. What's the what's yes. the controversy? Uh, apparently, there were voting irregularities. Well, there's always irregularities. No, it's like massive. In fact, uh, the local head of you know the elections there is filing for an audit. All right. Well, whether he won or it was close between him and Kasich, but it's pretty hilarious that his. Where he lives, not only where he lives, but, you know, he walks the streets there all the all the time. There's buildings with his name, you know, in front of everybody. Most people in, who voted, I mean, there's not that many Republicans in the in Manhattan, right? So most people in Manhattan who are Republicans have probably at least somewhat met Donald Trump at some point in their life. And he at least didn't win by a large margin. Uh, And like I said, election night, the results indicated that he lost. My theory, of course, is is very simple. It's not just because those people know Donald Trump well. It's that if you are a Republican who lives in Manhattan, there are two (laughs) things we know about you. Well, three things. You got Tough skin, number one. No, Boy, no, amen. Which doesn't mean you couldn't be a Trump supporter, because you know that's certainly consistent with a Trump supporter. But two things that are not consistent with Trump supporters: you've made a lot of money in your life, and you are not. I love the poorly educated. You are not poorly educated. There are, there are no poorly educated Republicans who live on the island of Manhattan. So demographically, not exactly the best place for Donald Trump. But other than Manhattan. He won basically everything, mm-hmm. and uh, this was important because it, it, not only did he win 89 of the delegates out of 95, which was more than most people thought, uh, mm-hmm. he won not, for the first time ever, he won over 50% of the vote, in fact, got 60% uh, of the vote. Although, interestingly, it's important to point out, he got crushed by Hillary Clinton in yes. a state he has told us he was going to win. Right. Remember that old BS about, oh, I'm going to change the map. I'm going to win New York. Uh, you know, Hillary, I realize it was a closed primary. La da 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 da. Well, she got twice the vote. Right. She got twice as many votes as Donald Trump in New York. OK. Running against a socialist who got a ton of. Vote. By the way, Bernie Sanders got more votes. Bernie Sanders got more votes in New York State than Donald Trump. Maybe that's more indicative of how ridiculous this concept is that Donald Trump is going to win New York than that. Bernie Sanders got more votes than Donald Trump. Thank you. All right. So that's the negative side. On the positive side, if you're a Trumpster, is this. Uh, Based upon the New York victory, 
and the polls that have come out since the New York victory. It is obvious, as I said, Leah, and I think you got to give me some credit here. I said Wisconsin was irrelevant. That Correct. it was totally overblown. That it, the only reason why the media was giving it so much importance was because there was nothing else surrounding it on the calendar. And that there are a bunch of nitwits with short attention spans and they need a narrative. And Wisconsin was unique because it had enough time for the cruise forces to organize, it and also had Scott Walker there. Mm-hmm. So you have time, and you've got Walker, and Trump made a bunch of mistakes in Wisconsin, a bunch of them. It was, and he still, he still didn't get nearly as crushed in Wisconsin as, for instance, Cruz did in New York. So I mean, I realize it's not a perfect analogy, but the reality is. Trump won some delegates in Wisconsin. I think he got like 36, 37 percent of the vote. It was bad, but it wasn't a complete shellacking for a state that no, really was not nev- at all. It was never it was never supposed to be a Trump state. Well, here, here's the deal. Um, you're not going to be able to duplicate Wisconsin. I mean, you know, the, the cruise people are trying to tell us, well, Indiana is going to be like Wisconsin. OK, Really? Really? All right, let's review that, folks. Uh, We have a massive landslide in New York. We've got these polls out now indicating that Trump is winning Indiana. Three, Mm -hmm. three polls out in the last few days where he's winning by five, six, and eight points. Not a landslide, but those that's that's too much to be considered, you know, uh, an aberration or something that's not accurate. So he's winning in Indiana, and guess what's going to happen between now and the Indiana primary in a week and a half? On Tuesday, Donald yep. Trump is going to crush it. He's going to yeah, crush it. Yeah, he's winning like four out of five. No, he's going to win all five. He will win, okay. barring massive upsets. He will win all five states on Tuesday. Now, how do you think that's going to impact things in Indiana the next momentum. week? Momentum. Yeah, it's all about, I mean, life is about momentum. The, the reality is that most people, see, the Political people are so stupid, and they, they make such absurd assumptions. And so Cruz people think that when they see, oh, well, 30% or whatever it is of the, of the polling in Indiana indicates that they're Cruz supporters. Okay, that's, that's possible, but guess what? They're not, not enough. Well, not, not only is they not enough, they're not rabid cruise people. Most people are not rabid about anything, all right? So, so if you're in the, on the fence and you see Trump just won five States in landslides seven days before, are you more or less likely to show up at the polls in Indiana? You're Mm -hmm. far less likely, especially for a guy that, let's face it, is not Mr. Charisma. Is and and when you when when you start to believe that someone is going to lose or vice versa, someone's going to win, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. In politics, because you can't get any momentum. It's not like Cruz has a boatload of money. He doesn't have the celebrity to get on any television or, or radio outlet that he wants on a moment's notice like Trump can. And there's not the same talk radio apparatus in Indiana that there was in Wisconsin, which was anti-Trump in a huge way. So I don't see, you know, could it be close in Indiana? Absolutely. Could Trump do something to screw it up? Sure. And it's more than possible with him. But uh, he's going to win all five on Tuesday. Mm -hmm. I think he wins Indiana. Now, if that, in fact, happens, now he's on track for 1237. Right. And and, and once and because he's on track and again, he could still finish a little short of it because he's on track for 1237. That begins to build a self-fulfilling 
prophecy momentum I referred to because now everybody wants to be on the winning side. And of that course. and then that leads you to California. Now this is the part of the Cruz never Trump strategy I'm baffled by. Because you know, people like Hugh Hewitt and other conservatives, who by the way, told us that Romney was gonna win in a blowout. These are the same morons who told us that, that it's gonna be President Romney in a landslide. Oh really? Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Thanks for that. That really worked out well. They're saying, oh, no, Trump will never get to, one, to uh, 1237 um, because, you know. Trump he's... says he's going to 1400. Well, that's Trump. <laughs> I don't think he's going to 1400, but he's going to get real close to 1237. It's going to be give or take. The idea that California is going to be the Waterloo here, which (laughs) I find this whole thing, if it wasn't so tragic, to be hilarious. One of the things that Trump has benefited from, Leah, is that everyone always presumes he's about to collapse. So no one ever thinks, okay, this is the hill we're going to die on. We have been moving the hill we're going (laughs) to die on for six months. (laughs) I mean, it's insane. No. Well, we'll get him in California. Really? You're going to get no, him in California. You're, no. you're going you're to pick the most populous state where it, it's impossible to run commercials statewide because it's so damn expensive. It's impossible. I mean, there's so many media markets, so many people. The Republicans are, you know, the most, the vast majority of them are spread out in the rural areas. They're impossible to reach. And by the way, we happen to like celebrity here. Did you oh, happen yes. to notice that we elected Arnold Schwarzenegger, our governor? Yeah. I mean, how in I mean, the world? Worth. How? In, yeah, I know it was horrendous. It was, you know, I actually think that that might hurt hurt Donald. Very negative. You would think if there was any logic in the world, Schwarzenegger's tenure as governor would hurt Donald Trump. But still, California is California, and mm-hmm. he's got celebrity, and he'll be able to get his message out, and he'll have momentum. So how in the world, when you use the New York model, right? The New York model was huge state. Massive celebrity, granted it's his home state, he crushed it. So this is where Trump is going to finally get destroyed, is California. I, but, I just don't... But s- who in California is voting for Ted Cruz? There's not that many evangelicals. There are a few. Uh, I think Kasich is going to do well in, in some of the... Um, the more moderate areas, especially in the urban areas of, of California. But there were three polls out this week. Three! huge polls on California and Trump is crushing it in every single one. Now, right. how are you going to turn that around when you don't have the money, you don't have the momentum and, and and the reality is that the media wants Trump to be the nominee. I mean, let's face it. The me- I said last week, and I, I stand by this. What is the, what the media wants when they work in unison is almost always what ends up happening. And what they want is for Trump to be in that 1237 range. They, they want they want him to be close enough to where he he can win it if he wants it, uh, or if they want him to have it. But you know, not in the fourteen hundred range that you referred to, because then there's no drama at the convention. So that's right. what's going to happen. He's going to the be... Republicans to eat each other alive at the convention. Exactly, because it's great for ratings in July, where no one's usually watching television or consuming media. So the reality is, he's going to end up if any if, unless something 
humongous happens, he's going to end up in that 1,200 range. And by that point, now it's a two-foot pot. It's a, for especially so. By the way, and this is my my favorite part of the entire Never Trump strategy, and I put favorite in quotations. So if everything goes perfectly, here's what we've done: we've put ourselves in a briar patch in the convention where Trump has a massive lead in delegates. And what are the two things that are most paramount in a modern contested convention? The ability to manipulate the media and the ability to make deals. Now, boy, oh boy, boy, that's brilliant. Let's get Donald Trump into that briar patch. <laughs> how you, how are you going to beat Donald Trump at a contested convention? See, for me, this whole thing is over. Like, it, the drama's already gone. You know, he's in there. He's the nominee. Didn't make. Yeah. Thank uh, you. I, I tend to agree. But, you know, it's frustrating because it's not actually over. If they wanted, if, if still is to this point. If they really knew what they were doing and wanted to take Trump out, they could still do it. But they're so incompetent. They're so disorganized. Cruz is such a bad candidate. And I've been saying for yes. weeks now, I've been saying for weeks that what's going to end up being the death of the Cruz candidacy is that by doing so well on this underground delegate hunt, which he's done, he's done a great job organizationally, yeah. right? Sure. Completely out-hustled. And Bribing. Out Bribing delegates. Well, exactly right. The narrative fits perfectly for Donald Trump because now Ted Cruz is part of the evil establishment. Of so course he is. In an election where 65% of the voters don't want somebody from the establishment. So how – you can't beat Trump that way. No. Uh, anyway. All right. Look, uh, there's a bunch of other things I want to say on this. We're past break. This is the John and Leah Show. Welcome back. This is the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. And uh, Leah, as the conventional wisdom begins to suddenly change, as it often does, because the conventional wisdom is almost always wrong, so therefore it has to change, but it's now currently that Trump may, in fact, end up uh, clinching the nomination before the convention or get very, very close. One of the big controversies... Uh, this week was <clears throat> revolving around some comments that his delegate manager made to the RNC indicating that what we've seen of Trump so far was just an act. Right. And uh, that he's going to run a different campaign in the general election. Now, of course, um, we've we've often joked. We've with, always known this. <laughs> right. This is not this is not a newsflash to people with brains who've been paying attention. In fact, if you just listen to Donald Trump. I'm very capable of changing to anything I want to change to. There you go. Yep. I mean, and he says it himself. Um, and so that created some controversy this week. And I found it rather hilarious that one of the people that picked up on that was MSNBC's Joe Scarborough, an alleged conservative. He's actually a sellout uh, because, of course, he works for MSNBC. So as a conservative, he has to be a sellout. Otherwise, he wouldn't have a job. But he's also been a sellout to Donald Trump. I mean, he has been as as pro-Trump at times, especially in his interviews with Trump, giving Trump enormous amounts of airtime to just let him spout off on whatever he wants to talk about. Uh, there was a tape that got released of, of him and his co-host, uh, Mika, 
uh, Brzezinski uh, basically just slobbering all over Donald Trump uh, during the commercial breaks, uh, mainly because they knew that he was good for their show's ratings, and that's all that matters to these people is keeping Boy, their need gig, ratings. right? Keeping their gig and getting their ratings, and so. Scarborough said this about this notion uh, of Trump changing, and uh, this was rather ironic coming from him. It's going back to what he's always been. We've said on this air nonstop. He is a Democrat. He is a centrist Democrat who gave money to Democrats for years. He's never been a conservative. And, and he's, I mean, that's not been a secret to anybody and yet he's blown the doors off of every Republican primary. And when he goes into the general election, it's going to be harder for Democrats to say, oh, he's a right wing religious fanatic that is going to keep you away from abortions and keep you, right. you know, same sex marriage. And Donald, it, why did you sell this? Hey, that's the game you gave me. I'm a winner. Yep. All right. Now, first of all, Scarborough is the worst person to be talking about this for the reasons I've already mentioned. Uh, and I've been on his show many times back when he was a real conservative and a couple times when he was the fake sellout conservative. Uh, I've interviewed him in person. Uh, he's very well aware who I, of who I am. He's been complimentary of me in, at times when it served his purposes in the past. By the way, I'm actually <laughs> I'm actually booked as of until 15 seconds ago on MSNBC uh, for Monday night. Um, oh, are you really? Not on Scarborough show. He does the morning show. I'm pretty sure I'm going to get bumped, but I am technically booked <laughs> to talk about this issue of the conservative media uh, being in the tank for Donald Trump. So make sure you stay tuned to my Twitter and Facebook feeds tomorrow for details on whether or not I actually am booked or bumped. I have a kind of a savant-like ability to know when I'm going to get bumped. In fact, the last time, this is funny, Lee, the last time I was booked on this particular MSNBC show was about five years ago. Mm. After I wrote an expose on the real Sarah Palin, because I had been a oh, huge yes. Sarah Palin supporter, and she'd done some things that made me go, I'm done, I'm out. And I wrote a whole big story on the Daily Caller called The Sarah Palin I Know. And I got a call from uh, this MSNBC show's producer saying, we'd like to have you on the, the show tomorrow. I said, no, you wouldn't. I said, what? <laughs> I said, I'll say yes, and then you go back, and then tomorrow you can tell me that I have been canceled or you know something else has come up and we're not going to do it she said no you're, you're no we're going to have you on the show i said no you're not <laughs> and so she goes fine okay great wait so she pretends like she's booking me on the show and sure enough uh, the next day i was told ah, actually yeah we're not going to have you on the show sorry yeah um and it was because i i knew this particular host was not going to have the balls to have me on the program to talk about sarah palin like sending a shark into the kiddie pool. Yeah, that was not going to happen. So we'll see whether or not this happens uh, on MSNBC tomorrow. But So Scarborough is a very odd person to be making this argument, but he's also not even accurate at the end there. When he says, oh, this is going to help him in the general election because he, he can't claim he's a right-wing whack job and abortion and same-sex marriage. Well, first of all, he's made some horrendous statements on abortion. He said, he said women who get abortions should be punished, punished. by the law. So, so right there, that that soundbite is going to come back to haunt him. But more importantly, and this is amazing. I don't know if Scar. See, I can never tell whether Scarborough is being dumb or whether he's he's being um, disingenuous because he, he can be both. Uh, in this case, I think he might be being dumb because the reality is, okay, yeah, they can't paint Trump maybe as the traditional right wing whack job. But guess what? 
they can paint him as not being qualified, which yeah. is far, far more devastating than being the classic right-wing whack job. Because All they have to do is play back portions of the last three debates he took part in. I mean, his his debates alone, uh, it really should have disqualified him. I mean, his fans should have gone, oh, my gosh, this guy is clueless. And by the way, it's funny you use the word disqualified because Scarborough at one point when I guess he thought it, you know, he was done with Trump and didn't need him anymore, actually said, I forget it was what the issue was over, but he actually used that word. He said Trump disqualified himself right. um, for the presidency. Now here he is touting him as well. He could be really tough for Hillary because he's not a classic Republican. He's not a Republican at all, which is why it's so absurd that people like Rush Limbaugh and even worse, Sean. Hannity have been touting him, not just touting him, but defending him at all costs. More on this in hour number two of the John and Leah show.